yo, welcome to another episode of the Clip City Podcast. I'm your host, Yovan Buha, Clippers beat writer for The Athletic. And today, I am joined by Mo DeKeel. Uh Mo, how are you doing right now? Oh, I'm, I'm doing great, but uh, I got a lot of opinions here, man. I don't even want to waste any time with the actual greetings and niceties. Do you remember what you said to me over text message when I said we'd either be previewing the Lakers series or Game 7? Uh, no, I don't. Actually, I'm pulling it up right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't remember verbatim, but it was something along the lines of I'm going to go off. If, if they yeah, no, that's exactly what I said. That's exactly what I said. I <laughs> there said, you go. Yeah, if this goes 7, bro, I'm going to go off. And I am ready, Jovan. I, I, I need a Dan Levitard-esque rant right now. <laughs> Well, I mean, no, I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff there. There's a lot. There's so many things that we can talk about with this team. I mean, it's just first off, let's just talk about the PTSD Clipper fans have to be facing right now. You know, this is a totally different team. It's a roster turnover. Everybody's completely different except for the coaching staff. You know, obviously Doc being the head coach, but They've been in this position before, up 3-1 to go to the conference finals, go where the Clippers have never gone before. And then they blow two games. And really, kind of in the same fashion in the sense of they give up a big lead and they they blow these games. And now they're going to a game seven here against Denver. And I don't want to take away much from Denver because they've been fighting. They've been staying in these games. They've been battling, even when we've kind of been like, okay, this should be it. You know, they just keep coming, and they you have to give them a ton of credit for continuing that fight. But at the same time, it just feels like the Clippers are making this harder on themselves than it has to be. And it starts, I think, with Doc, with the coaching. I think the players aren't necessarily doing a great job. I mean, I know Patrick Beverly's on a minutes restriction, but that doesn't mean he needs to foul out with 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Like, that just doesn't make any sense right there. And, you know, that kind of put them in a bad situation with rotations, which we'll talk about. But just across the board, like, this is just an epic failure. Even even if they win Game 7 and they go to the conference finals, to me it's an epic failure because you have to win this series. Like, you have to win this in 5, in 6, if you're really the championship team that you've said all year that you are. I'm very concerned, and I know that that's not necessarily like a a crazy take right now, but I think this is something I've been saying going back to the preseason. You and I have spoken about, I've spoken about with Justin Russo, uh, Fly By Night, who I've had on this podcast, you know, multiple times, and it's it's been Lou and Trez. You know, those have been the two guys going back to the preseason I've had concerns over. I said, I don't know if you can win a championship with those two in your closing lineup, in your closing rotation. And I think that's completely bore out in the postseason. Trez has been awful. He, he's actually been worse than Reggie Jackson. I just wrote about this. You know, last in the team in plus minus, last in the team in net rating. And the Clippers have only had two players in negative in net rating and uh, plus minus, Trez and Jermichael. Yet Jermichael is positive in both when he's not playing with Trez. So, you know, he's kind of been a victim of the Trez minutes. You know, Jermichael and Trez have have almost been handcuffed together all season. So, you know, when Jermichael has been able to play with Zoo or with Marcus in that small 4-5 lineup, 
you know, the Clippers have won those minutes and, and won those minutes by a lot. It's been when Jermichael has been paired with Trez, that's when you know, he's been a negative. So, I mean, Trez is a glaring minus. And I, I think to see Doc's comments after the game and, and to see him not adjust where, you know, you know, this happened in the first half, Nuggets going, you know, Clippers uh, put in Trez, they hit a couple threes, stretch the lead to 12. Nuggets immediately go on a run. Doc has to bring back Zoo. Uh, happens in the third quarter where he brings in Trez earlier. I even tweeted, I thought they were maybe going to bring in Trez earlier in the third so he wouldn't play at the end of the third, beginning of fourth, because that was a stretch that's killed the Clippers the last three or four games. Doc did that, kind of. He, he brought Zoo in for a few minutes. Then he closes the third with Trez and brings it back to start the fourth and, and sticks with him for, you know, I, I think five or six minutes there. So I, I just, I don't get it. it it's, it's, it's almost like, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. And Doc's lack of adjusting. And then after the game saying, well, if you go by plus minus, I don't think either of our centers played well. When Zoo was a plus 11 in 30 minutes, a team best plus 11, and, and Trez was a team worst minus, or sorry, second te- second worst minus 19 in, in those 18 minutes. Uh, PG was the, the worst with, with uh, minus 23. But I just don't get, you know, he continues to defend him. He continues to make excuses. You know, five points, one rebound. Like, I, I just don't see what Trez is providing out there. And I, I just don't get it. I mean, it goes further than that, too, though. I mean, Trez has been terrible throughout this series. I think we've, you and I have talked about it for a long time. I've said it to many people. I just don't know if you can play both Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams at the same time, right? They're killing you defensively. And, you know, this is one of those things where, like, not only does he does Doc play those two, he plays Shamit with them, you know, to start the fourth. And I'm just looking at it going, like, there is no chance any good defense is being played on that. And I know people are like, well, look, you know, Lou Williams, nor- Lou normally kind of gives you some some more scoring options. Shamit's another shooter to spread the floor. Let's look at their numbers. Lou Williams is shooting 36%, 36.8 from the field but only 13% from three. Landry is shooting 26% from the field and 17.6% from three. Like if if they're not making shots, they cannot play in this series period. Cause that's all the nuggets did was they just started hunting those guys. And Jokic had three threes in the fourth quarter. He was three for three. The first one was off of a, a, dribble handoff action where Trez was staying too long with, with the ball handler, which I think was Murray at this point. And he kicks it out to Jokic who pops out for a three bucket. Then on the next possession, the nuggets get another uh, pick and roll. I think this time it's with Gary Harris and uh, Trez is, is, is on Harris. Lou Williams is making the late switch and Lou's too small to really contest that shot. And he doesn't even get there in time. And then the third three, which was the 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 nail in the coffin, really, it's off of a Jamal Murray, uh, Jeremy Grant pick and roll. And, you know, when the ball gets swung around, Kawhi goes, leaves Jokic, because he has to, to get to the man in the corner. And neither Paul George or Williams are rotating over to Jokic. 
It's like, how, how do you have that mistake? And it was glaring different than from the first half where they were playing championship level defense, especially to end the half. Like it was an impressive way they ended that half defensively. And to watch this, I'm just shaking my head, just going like, what the hell's wrong with this team? So one thing I want to ask you as a former video guy, someone who's actually worked under doc before, um, I don't want to put you in an awkward position, but you did say at the top of this podcast, you know, the, the first bit of blame you're putting right now on, on the Clippers is on Doc and the coaching staff. And I think as writers and, and analysts and even fans on Twitter, like, you know, everyone has their own opinion on, on how the rotation should be, what the adjustments should be. But as someone who's actually lived that, who has had that power to suggest certain things, suggest adjustments, suggest rotation tweaks, break down film and, and show a coaching staff what they should or shouldn't do, what would, you know, I've asked you this before in this series, but what would your adjustment be? And why do you think Doc has been stubborn and, and not made those adjustments? Why is he still playing Montrez Harrell, you know, 16, 18 minutes when the, the plus minus, it's, it's not just been this game. It's not been last game. It's not been the last three games. It's been the whole postseason. The Clippers are getting killed with him on the floor. And Doc has adjusted a couple times played in 10 minutes, 12 minutes here or there. But for the most part, he's been in that 15 to 18 minute range. Why has Doc been so stubborn and and not adjusted? I think part of that is this has been Doc Rivers. I mean, look, last year you were all over him about how often he was playing Avery Bradley. You know, like Doc kind of just stays with his guys and goes with it. I mean, the first adjustment is you got to just start looking at your rotations. I don't think you can have Williams and Harrell on the court at the same time. I just don't think you could do it anymore. I understand that. Look, they had great pick and roll chemistry. We all went nuts about it, but it's not. They don't even run. They don't even run anymore. (laughs) Right. But I mean, mean, so if you're not even going to do that, then like what, what's the point of having the two of them on the court at the same time? Because now it depends. Now you're putting a lot more pressure on your other three guys to cover five, basically, you know, and you know what? Lou might come up with a play here and there. Trez might come up with a defensive stop here and there, but it's not consistent enough. And Trez is showing the problems he's having guarding a pick and pop big, which we're watching because Jokic has been killing them and he's hit a lot of threes. I don't have the numbers in front of me in terms of what Jokic has hit from three in this series, but it just feels like he hits all the big ones, you know? And I just think, so for me, the first thing is I don't have those two in the rotation at the same time, maybe I play green more over Harold to begin with and, and, and kind of separate those minutes and, and, and unhandcuff the two. I think we're kind of in an instance where it's just, I mean, Doc's got to start looking at the rotation and start cutting it down. You know, how many guys play tonight? I'm pulling up the, the box score. I mean, it was really, I mean, it I was, guess if you count Reggie Jackson 10, it, it's, it's still I don't, because that wasn't even, that was just a minute. It's really just a nine-man rotation. And honestly, you might need to start looking at it going like, you might have to have the conversation with Trez going like, if you're not going early, like, I'm going to have to bench you and, and, and give Green more minutes and things like that. And you kind of got to have the same conversation with Lou, who even though he, he had 14 points, 5 of 11 shooting, but he gave up, it feels like, a 1,000. So, you know, it's it's just an issue in that sense of, like, you got to go right now with your best defenders. Because when they put those guys out there, they really do lock down. And part of the problem, too, and it's, you know, again, Patrick Beverly fouling out, you, you know, at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Like, 
I understand what Beverly's role is, but he needs to do a better job of just not reaching in randomly and, and picking up these fouls. Like it's just becoming a ridiculous issue there because, you know, he's one of their better defenders. I mean, there's a reason why he made all defense. So, you know, you, they're not going to survive if he's got to go to the bench because they don't have a lot of guards after that that can defend. I just looked it up. So Jokic is shooting 46.2% on threes in the playoffs. In this series specifically, he's at 44.1%. So he was just at like 50% in the Utah series. So he's been shooting lights out in the postseason. Uh, shot 31% on threes in the regular season. So there might be some regression there in game seven. Who knows? But I, two things before we wrap up, um, you know, we're, we're about halfway through here. Uh, you know, two concerns for me moving forward. Um, one has been, we touched on Lou, we touched on Trez, but the overall disintegration of the Clippers supporting cast and, and bench and depth, that is a concern for me because you, you knew, okay, Kawhi and PG, and, and for the most part, those guys were pretty good tonight. They've been pretty good throughout the series. They've been pretty good in the playoffs. Like you've gotten what you wanted from those two guys overall, I would say. Um, just, just kind of looking at the ledger, like th- those two guys have delivered. We know PG went through a dark time in the first round and, and had some struggles, but for the most part, he's still putting up, you know, 22 plus decent percentages. He's been locking up defensively for the most part. Kawhi has been Kawhi, at, at, you know, as advertised. But the rest of the guys, you know, Abita Zubats, I, I think defensively has been really good. It's tough to guard Jokic. He's probably the best offensive center in the league. So he's going to score on you a bit, but I think he, he's made it tough. I mean, Jokic even admitted it yesterday, right. um, you know, was, was kind of dancing around the subject. Someone asked him Trez versus Zoo, and he went out of his way to praise Zoo. And basically for Trez just said, he, he's tough. He gets into my body. Um, but, you know, Zoo has been struggled offensively the last two, three games. Marcus Morris has kind of been up and down with, with you know, 8, 10, 12 points some nights, 18, 20, 22 points some nights. You don't really know what you're getting from him. And aside from that, you know, Lou struggled. Trez has struggled. Um, as you said, Landry has not been hitting shots. Reggie Jackson lost his spot. Pat Beverly's been on a minutes limit and, and missed most of the first series. Uh, Jermichael Green has had inconsistent minutes. And, you know, looking at this team heading into the season, the thing that everyone praised them for, the thing that everyone, you know, who, who thought they were the favorites, picked them to, to be the favorites for, was their depth and their bench. And, and you know, this was a team, 9, 10, 11, some people have been saying 12 deep, and we've just not seen that. Like at this point, I'm like, it's the starters plus Jermichael and like half of Lou. And that's like six and a half players that I trust right now with this Clippers team. And I think even if they, you know, this kind of brings it into my second point, like even if they advance and beat the Nuggets in game seven, now you're playing a Lakers team that is absolutely rolling. All their role players are playing well. Every night they're having two to three or even four guys stepping up aside from LeBron and AD. And it just really concerns me for this team overall where, you know, with the current way they're playing, I don't even think they're going to win game seven with the way they're, they're currently playing. But if they do, it's just I don't know how you can pick them to beat the Lakers or win the finals with the way their supporting cast is playing right now. Yeah, I mean, that's the big shocker, right, was just the depth. We always talked about it. And and I was always talking their defensive versatility and things like that. But really kind of dawned on me during the Dallas series where I was like, maybe they're not as versatile defensively as we think, you know. And if these guys aren't rolling, aren't playing well, it's, it, it's a problem. And what happens is 
it seems like if the offense ends up to not roll, their defense suffers, you know, and I think that kind of all blends into itself and their depth has been, it's been really crushed at this point. And also I think sometimes in the playoffs, you know, depth can be overrated because your big guys are going to play heavier minutes, you know, and, and, you know, Kawhi is playing almost 42 minutes, PG playing almost 40. Like, you know, sometimes I think we get too excited and, and, and look too much into depth. But the other thing for me, Yoban, and this is something that's really important. And it's just all year long, we heard from Doc in press conferences, right? And people would ask him every now and then, do you know the identity of your team? Do you know the identity of your team? And he would always kind of just be like, no, I, I I don't know yet. You know, and it was like, the and, and we understand the whole season, right? PG misses a ton of games to start the season. You have Kawhi load managing. Every time it looked like you were about to be fully healthy, somebody went down with an injury. You know, they this is a team that didn't practice much in the regular season. And this is stuff I've harped on for a long time. Said you can't skip steps. You can't skip the the process of building that chemistry together and having that understanding with each other and knowing where you're supposed to go and whatnot. And I get it. People are going to say, hey, this is their first year together. Well, you know what? This is the Lakers' first year together. And I know people are going to cringe at the fact I'm comparing them to the team across the hall. But they have that chemistry. They may not be as talented, but they have that chemistry. They understand where guys are supposed to go and how to play with each other. This team doesn't have that yet. And the fact that we're this deep into the playoffs into a crazy-ass season that's been extended, and for them to not have been able to find that at any point is really what's troublesome. You know, like, I think they're going to win Game 7, although I I wouldn't bet the house on it. I'm with you, and this really concerns me into what happens in next series. But ultimately, the it's an issue. And the other thing, too, Jovan, and this is the thing that's really bugged me all year. They seem to think they're a flip-the-switch team. But they've never won anything. As an organization, as, a, as this team together, they've never won anything. And you can't have this attitude of, we're the champions, when you've never made it out of the second round. Like, this has been their attitude. And we all talk about it. They're a flip-the-switch team. And they're damn talented and they're so talented they might just be able to win the championship just off that alone but the effort they've given so many times where Jovan this series could be over by the way game four just they finally played defense in the last six minutes of that game that's a game the Nuggets blew this series could this could have been a game six the Nuggets sending the Clippers home right now just think about that Like, just think about how bad that is. And the fact that this team continues to think they're a championship team without ever having ever won it, it just drives me insane. It actually pisses me off. The arrogance really does drive me nuts. And I think that's a big issue with this team, that they seem to think they're entitled to this trip to the championship. When it's like, no, and the Nuggets aren't going away. And the next team they play, if they move on, the Lakers, they sure as hell aren't giving this thing up easily. Hi, I'm Tass Mellis from No Dunks on The Athletic. As the great philosopher Brian of the Backstreet Boys once said, Everybody, yeah, hydrate your body, yeah, everybody, hydrate your body, right? Hydration's back, all right! We all know we have to stay hydrated. I've used an app, a big water bottle, post-it notes, and proper hydration is extremely important right now. 
it can really help your immune system. Believe it or not, dehydration occurs daily in three out of four people. With Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. I like using Liquid IV when I hit that afternoon lull. Instead of grabbing a coffee, I grab one stick of the lemon lime, put it in my water, and I get that energy boost I need without dehydrating my body and getting dry mouth. It's win-win because it contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. Oh, my mate Lily would love it. It's healthier than sugary sports drinks with no artificial flavors or preservatives and less sugar than an apple. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target. Or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. Well, so this brings me to the final question here and we'll wrap up on this. There are two paths forward right now, right? Like it's A or B, it's you win game seven, you lose game seven. So walk me through both outcomes. Let's say they do win game seven, they advance, they play the Lakers game one on Friday. How do you see that series going? And then let's say they lose game seven. What do you do this offseason? You know, is Doc potentially in trouble? Um, do, do they look to completely rejigger the rotation? And, you know, Trez is a free agent. Marcus Morris is a free agent. Lou is an expiring deal. Um, you know, do they change some of those pieces? Uh, or, or do you kind of stand pat and, and try to just bolster the end of the bench, you know, deepen the rotation? Like, wh- what do you do in each outcome? And, and, you know, I guess what's your prediction for Game 7? So if they were to win game seven, and I'll just say right now, that's my prediction, although I don't feel at all comfortable with it because this team just. I'm I'm with you, but I don't feel good about it. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, okay, they, they should win game seven. So I'm going to make that prediction, but I trust me, I don't feel good about it. If they win, I got to imagine they'll get up for this Lakers series for the entire series for every game I don't think we'll see them take their foot off the pedal as everybody says when they give up a lead or things like that I think they will it will be a dogfight that's a seven game series to me because I think the Lakers are rolling they're in a much better place than where they were at the start of the bubble and I think you know that's a seven game series that can go either way that's going to be the knockdown drag out fight and I think it's going to be win one lose one win one lose one type of series if they lose game seven, I mean, forget the fact that everybody's going to start talking about how this team must be cursed because of, again, being up 3-1 and not advancing to the conference finals. I don't One, for starters, I don't think Doc's job's in jeopardy. And ultimately, when people talk about that, there's nobody you're going to replace Doc with that's going to do a better job, to be honest. I just don't think there's a coach out there that you're going to say, we're going to bring them in and they're going to immediately take us over the top with the championship. No, Doc's a good enough coach for that. I think he's making mistakes with the rotations there, but I think that's something that can be improved upon. In terms of the roster, there'll be changes. I think for sure. If they lose, there'll be tons of changes. I think you'll start to see them start looking to bring in a little more 
veteran guys. I think you could see Landry finding a, a, a new home. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't sign, re-sign Harrell and, you, you know, start to find guys that can, they can bring off the bench that can either score or defend or do both. And it's tough to find guys that can do both, but they're going to find guys that can do one or the other. And right now, just Lou's not doing it in the playoffs. It's fine. You can do it in the regular season. It's a lot harder to do in the playoffs. You know, Harold's just struggling and that's just the way it goes. And we can make all the excuses of missed all this time and stuff. And yeah, that has an effect on you, but that's, this is just the way this thing goes. And I think they'll have a lot of, they'll have to look at a lot of things there. And I think there'll be different things. I think they bring back Morris because I think he's been good for them. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm not his biggest fan, but he's helped them. And I think there's opportunities there, but I think they'll just, they'll keep plugging. I mean, obviously they'll build around Kawhi and PG and start to, you know, retool and find ways to get there. Unfortunately for them, this isn't a great free agent class. So it'll be interesting to see how that stuff goes for them. Uh, but that's the way I look at it, Jovan. I think it's it, it, move on to games from game seven, face a tough Laker series, or there's going to be a lot of changes, but I don't think it's going to start with Doc. Quickly, uh, my, my thoughts before we, we wrap here. Um, I think they're going to win game seven. Like you, I don't feel confident about it. I'd, I'd probably put it at 60-40, uh, which is astonishing because if you had told me before the series it went to seven, I'd say like 90-10 still. Like I, I just would have no lack of confidence in the Clippers winning. But this to me has been a process problem this whole time. And I just so want to interrupt you real quickly. If I told you at the start of the second round in the West – one series is going five and one series is going seven. You would have had it the other way around. Oh, for sure. I, I, I thought, yeah. I mean, I, I had Lakers in six over the Rockets and I was, that was almost like a chicken prediction of like, I don't have the guts to pick the Rockets to push it to seven or even win the series. I, I really thought they had a chance to win with the way they had been playing. Obviously they didn't play that well in the OKC series. And that was a, you know, a harbinger for, uh, or harbinger. I don't even know how to say that word. Um, for kind of what was to come. But so I'm going to say Clippers won game seven. And as of right now, barring a just, you know, really the only way to change my opinion going to the conference finals would be one of two things. Either they come out and smack the Nuggets by 30 and just full throttle the entire game, foot's never off the pedal. They just embarrass them by 30 points and win that way. Or even if it's a relatively close game, Doc actually makes the adjustments he's needed to make all series, plays Trez, le- uh, Trez less, plays Trez and Lou less, plays the bench as a unit less together, and, and really just staggers, has you know two to three starters on the court at all times and, and two to three good defensive players on the court at all times, and th- they go out and win the game, even if it's relatively close. I think that would give me some confidence heading to the Lakers series. If they just do what they've been doing and, and still end up beating the Nuggets, I think it's Lakers in six. And it wouldn't even surprise me if it's Lakers in five. Like, I, I, I know you think it's going to go seven, but, you know, I don't think it's just a matter of, while I do think there's a part of it of, like, a laxed attitude and them kind of just not playing as hard as they can, I do think there's actually legitimate structural issues w- with players' weaknesses, with the lineup Stock likes to play. Like, you know, Lou Trez has not been effective and, and – it is a defensive disaster together. Teams target them. Teams target them in the pick and roll more than they run pick and roll on the other end. And it's just, it's been bad. So as of right now, I think if Clippers win, I'm going to pick probably Lakers in six. If Clippers lose, 
I'm with you. I think Doc's safe. I, I think he's done enough over the years to warrant. I mean, he, he is one of the most decorated coaches, not only currently in the league, but of all time. So I, I don't think he would be at risk of losing his job. I do think it puts him a little bit on the hot seat of next season. I'm like, okay, well, if next season you don't win or make the finals or something, maybe there's a conversation in the offseason of what happens. Um, I do think in that case, and even if they do advance, I don't think Montrose Harrell, this is all pure speculation here, by the way, so don't aggregate it, but pure speculation, <laughs> I don't think Montrose Harrell's back. Um, I, I would not be surprised if Lou Williams isn't back either. I do think they're going to re-sign Marcus Morris. Um, and then you go into next season probably with the same starters, maybe Landry and Jermichael off the bench. You look for another backup center. You look for an actual backup point guard and maybe another 3 and D wing. And you kind of fill those holes in in the second unit with that. But um, I do think there will be some substantial changes. Obviously not Kawhi and PG uh, and, and probably not the starters just because I think some of those guys are in some good – like Pat and Zoo are on really good contracts. I don't think you'll right. be able uh, Marcus is an important free agent. I think they resign him. But Trez, Lou, maybe Landry, like you said. I mean, Jermichael can opt out. He has a player option. So who knows? Maybe he gets a better deal in the offseason. Um, but th- I think there will be some changes to the bench. And, and the, the, frankly, the coaching staff, because, you know, Ty Lue's probably going to get a head coaching job. Sam Cassell will be a candidate. Maybe even Rex Kalamian will be a candidate. So uh, we're not surprised me to see the assistant coaching thing shaken up. But that's not necessarily because they lost. It's just a byproduct of, of the talent they have in the coaching staff. But uh, official prediction will be Clippers and seven, but I don't feel good about it. I think it's time to panic. I, I think there are some legitimate concerns here. And even if they advance past the Nuggets, I'm just, I'm not very confident in this team winning the title right now. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's all there is to say. There's just the, they had, they haven't earned the right for us to have confidence in them. Plain and simple. I couldn't agree more. Uh, so, Mo, where can people find you on social media and where can they read and listen to your work? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mo Dakil, M-O-D-A-K-H-I-L underscore NBA. Uh, I write for Bleacher Report. I do podcasts for The Athletic. Nerder She Wrote on Fridays as part of the NBA show crew and uh, Brody and the Beard where we talk about the Houston Rockets and might be talking about Sam Cassell this week. <laughs> yeah, some, some news out of Houston, Mike D'Antoni not returning, which is not a surprise, really. Uh, as always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Yovan Buha. That's at J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. If you've not subscribed to this podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Please be sure to rate and review. If you have not subscribed to The Athletic yet, you can do so by going to theathletic.com slash Google, helping this podcast out, helping The Athletic out. We would much appreciate it. I will be back after game seven. Uh, will I be talking about the Clippers offseason <laughs> or a Lakers preview? I don't know yet, but we shall see. Uh, I'll talk to you guys next week.